And now, a word from our sponsors. Gabriella Balcom won the right to have a novel published by Clarendon House Publishing when one of her stories was voted best in the anthology in which it appeared. Her book, On the Wings of Ideas, came out following this. What's your favorite genre? Fantasy? Horror? Sci-fi? Romance? Literary fiction? This multi-genre collection of short stories includes all of that and more and has something for everyone. Gabriella's stories will alternately move you and bring you to tears, captivate or horrify you, and have you on the edge of your seat. Don't miss out. Be sure to get a copy today. Submissions are now open until August 1st for the Sweetie Cat Press Anthology, The Whole Wide World. The submissions should be episodes of no more than 3,000 words and as few as 50 words about the worldwide adventures of Detective Curly Knucklewad and his assistant, Miss Wanda Wowser, as they go on a manhunt for the unknown thief of the limp noodle sauce recipe stolen from the secret government food laboratory in San Francisco. Submission guidelines are in the blog section of the Sweetie Cat Press website at sweetiecatpress.com. That's sweetiecatpress.com. S-W-E-E-T-Y-C-A-T-P-R-E-S-S.com. Gabriella Balcom's thrilling sci-fi novella, The Return. The world doesn't know about the compound hidden underground and the wealthy investors funding it want things to stay that way. Although it's the year 2027, most of the facility's research is illegal. If animal rights activists had an inkling of what went on, they'd clamor for justice. Human rights activists would scream from the rooftops. By the time 2030 arrives, researchers have worked for a while with feline service units and human replicas. HRs, who are virtual prisoners with no rights. More and more of them are dying and they long for freedom. Surprisingly, one of the top scientists isn't happy with the status quo either. Tensions are mounting and things are not as they appear. Summertime is here, and the best way to beat the heat is with these great deals at MythMark.com. Join the adventure with sisters Emma and Olivia as they journey through the land of imagination in search of Yoon, the magical unicorn, in David K. Montoya's The Missing Unicorn and the Land of the Zombie Fairies. Or travel with poet Christopher Bice as he shares his thoughts on love, death, inspiration, and madness in Escaping the Darkness, Running from My Dreams. If fantasy romance is more your speed, join Celeste and Merrick as they figure out how to defeat the evil Ren doll while they figure out the plans of the elders in Stephanie J. Vardy's The Chosen. Like comic books? We got them too! Hot Off the Press is American Smash by Alan Russo and David K. Montoya for $4.99. Or enjoy our older releases like The Hunter's Exodus for only $2.99. Also, just in time for the summer are these other hot deals like Zoe M. Montoya's Uni Whale t-shirt, blue for boys and pink for girls, only $33.99. Or Lupus Bits the Podcast shirt for $27.99. For all our art lovers, we have something for you too with our prints and lithographs. Check out the Ed Bickford collection for $15 each or enjoy the art of Vincent May for $15. We have everything you'll need to stay inside and beat the summertime heat at MythMart.com. 
For more information, go to www.mythmart.com. Call us at 870-557-2612 or email sales at mythmart.com. And now, enjoy this free JZO Modcast show. Hey there, this is Ralph Garman, and you are listening to the World of Mythbits. You made an excellent choice. Welcome to the World of Mythbits. We are your hosts, Jenna and Joe Sparks, and this is episode 139. Welcome. We have a bit of housekeeping to cover first. Dark Myth Publications' brand new non-fiction imprint, Lily May Press, will be releasing its very first novel, the anniversary edition of S. Sadie Burbank's Red Hills, Green Vines, and Dried Monkey Meat for Dinner. The release date is scheduled for next month in August. Zombie Works Publications is holding an open call for submissions for Natural Instinct's Tales of Witches and Warlocks. We at Zombie Works Publications are currently accepting 13 short story submissions. They will go into our Natural Instincts Tales of Witches and Warlocks. We are looking for short stories that involve, as the title says, Witches and Warlocks. We request that all submissions be in a doc format, double-spaced, and 12-point font, which is standard format. Please. The only thing we ask is that you underline all italicized words. This is actually for the printer to know which ones need to be italicized. We are asking for each story to be between 2,000 to 3,000 words in length, and content must be between a rated PG-13 to rated R. Please no NC-17 stories. They will be rejected as our contract with the printer does not allow us to produce that sort of content. The deadline is September 19th. 2021. Zombie Works Publications will pay 10 cents per book per author. Also, the book will be carried by Amazon.com and other online carriers. Please send your submissions to zombieworkspublications at yahoo.com. Dark Myth Comics will be moving forward with a new graphic novel called Chronicles of the Unknown, which is the brainchild of Dark Myth Comics editor-in-chief Christopher Harris. This volume will be focused on a mashup of horror and Lucha Libre Wrestling. Keep your eyes open for more info or email chris at christopherharris at darkmythcomics.com. Jayzo Modcast, there was a discussion about offering an advertisement-free episode on Mythmar for 50 cents. Email us at info at jaysomodcast.com. Mythmar is doing amazingly well and are restocked in Jim Bates' Something Better, Chris Spice's Escaping the Darkness, Dave's Kid Book, The Missing Unicorn and Land of Zombie Fairies, his and Russo's comic book, American Smash, is re-in-stock as well. PCE Scare Fair has VIP tickets on sale at PCEHD.com and Lion Breakers Comics at www.comicbooksurplus.com backslash products backslash scare dash fair dash ticket dash VIP dash admission. For those who are high desert residents, will be able to go to local businesses to pick up tickets in person starting next month. A list of places are coming soon, so stay tuned. The World of Myth issue number 100 is right around the corner, and we want your submissions. 
Send us your best, most spectacular pieces, but make sure you follow the guidelines and in the subject bar in your email, please, please, please make sure you put for issue number 100 submission. Send everything to Stephanie at stephaniebardi at theworldofmyth.com. So we have some exciting news to bring forth. And it is the announcement of the next five contestants headed into the next round of the Open Contract Challenge. So are we ready? Should we insert the uh, drum roll? So uh, go ahead. Let's do let's let's imagine a drum roll. All right. So contestant number two moving forward. Peggy Gerber. We should insert like like. Hurrah, clips. Uh, contestant number three, Jeff R. Young. Contestant number seven, Jim Bates. Contestant number eight, Destiny Pfeiffer. And contestant number 10, Lynn McGonagall-Clark. So a huge, 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 major, major congratulations to you all. I'm very, very excited to see what transpires at the end of this contest to see who who reigns supreme shall we say so uh yeah i'm really really stoked so congratulations again to you all be very proud of yourselves and your accomplishments i know this is a big feat i know it's a very large undertaking (laughs) to do this challenge so yeah so be proud be proud of yourselves congratulations everybody so today I faced a bit just to just to kind of lead us into what we're going to talk about for this week's episode. I faced a <laughs> tremendous hardship, I guess we could call it. Last night, for whatever reason, I had gotten a proverbial hair up my butt. And just wanted to clean. Like, you know, when you just kind of get super sick and tired of your space and you're like, I need to clean it. It's just too much. So I just kind of wanted to do a little bit of like mild, mild uh, organizing, you know, nothing too extravagant. I was rearranging some stuff for my workspace. And one of those things, it's it's an air purifier. <laughs> I had to, I, I was unplugging it. So I had to crawl underneath the table to unplug it so I could move it. And I I managed to move in just the right way to pinch a nerve in my shoulder, in my dominant hand. Well, dominant arm, I should say. And um, I, I, I went to bed and I could kind of feel like, oh, something's not right. But then I just kept waking up throughout the night and it was like, I want to die. This pain is so bad. I could not get comfortable. It was horrible. So by the time I woke up this morning, it was, I, I woke up crying. Like it was horrible. The worst pain. And I have experienced plenty of pain and I will boast that I have a fairly high pain threshold. All day has been... Uh, not a fun day to kind of, you know, and I talk about it a lot and it's not something that I'm like, you know, trying to boast about, but it's like, I have been consistently kind of working constantly for the past half year. really. And so like today was the first day I had to stop. Like, and it was wild to me, like to actually just like, be forced to stop, you know, 
So I just kind of laid up in bed and I couldn't get comfortable, but I, I was icing my arm off and on and just binging 90 Day Fiance because why not? That was It was actually kind of nice, minus the fact that I was in excruciating pain. Um, and then Joe, my precious, you sweet, sweet, sweet human being, uh, he was he was working and he had asked me how my arm was. And I was like, yeah, I, I, I want to die. <laughs> this pain is, is horrendous. And he was like, oh, well, I'm going to get you uh, some CBD. And I was like, okay, sure. Why not? I'll try it. And so I was like, but can you get me like an ointment? And bless his heart, he tried locally. Every place closed early. And then he went down the hill, which if you're local to Southern California, the high desert, you know exactly what that means. He went... And traveled about 45 minutes away (laughs) to find me a CBD salve or balm or ointment. This is leading into something, I swear. I'm not just (laughs) randomly telling you this random story. And he got it and he brought it back and I massaged it in my arm and it is feeling so much better right now. Like I can actually move my hand for the first time all day. It feels so nice. So yeah, so this this whole episode is just going to be me talking about the benefits of CBD. (laughs) I'm kidding. Uh, So anyway, on your travels today, you had kind of come across something and you were like, hey, this is what I want to talk about. Bigfoot or Sasquatch, depending on where you live. Not out here, though. I don't think Bigfoot would like the desert. Thank you. We've never had any, I mean, out here, we've never really had any, like, cryptid rumors in the desert, have we? I mean, other than, like, Chupacabra, but that's that's Mexico. Tremors? Oh, hold on. Before you start, let me tell you this real quick. When I was a kid, I, that movie scared the bejesus out of me, and I remember... I had, a, I had a friend, she lived right down the street, and I went over to her house. And she was a jerk. She <laughs> only for this reason, they would intentionally, like, kind of kick up an area rug, like, put, like, a little, like, like fold in it. You know, like, if you just kind of move an area rug and it gets that little uh, warp in it. Just to scare me and be like, oh, my gosh, there's something in the floor. Like, in their house, I knew it wasn't feasible for these these creatures to be in the house. But still, I was, like, five and terrified. That was scary. That movie traumatized me for ground things. So, okay. Anyway, yeah, we had, we had tremors as our cryptids. <laughs> Don't worry. Kevin Bacon will save you. Maybe. So, for those who are unaware, Bigfoot, also commonly referred to as Sasquatch in Canadian and American folklore, is an ape-like creature that is purported to inhabit the forests of North America. Supposed evidence of the existence of Bigfoot includes a number of anecdotal sightings, visual, disputed video and audio recordings, photographs, and cast large footprints. Some of these are speculated or known to be hoaxes. Bigfoot has become an icon within the fringe subculture of cryptozoology and an enduring element of popular culture. Like I said, we're in the desert, and I've been mostly in the desert for most of my life, so I'm not actually familiar with Bigfoot. This is probably why it had come to my mind as more of an intriguing thought, because if you think like it actually existed, they probably would have found it somewhere. Like, somebody would have hunted and captured this beast 
knowing uh, humanity, they would have killed them outright. Like we watched this documentary about the sharks, right? So we were watching Finn. Yeah, Finn, and they are able to murder hundreds of thousands of sharks a year, and they can't catch one Bigfoot. Wait, can we talk about that really quick? That movie, because I'm still, I'm still, like dealing with that. We watched it last night, and it's uh, Finn on, like I said, Discovery Plus, and it's a documentary made by Eli Roth, and it's all about. It's not all about, but it's mainly about the finning industry, which, if you don't know, is stripping a shark of its fin and thereby selling tons and tons, like literal weight measurements of tons of fins to mega corporations for absolutely ludicrous profits. And (laughs) it's an amazing documentary. I love Eli Roth behind the camera for a documentary. Like, give it to me all day long. It's it's really, really good. He did a really good job. But no, that movie was intense, like super intense. And because it's by a horror director first and foremost. But second of all, just everything you're learning about the industry is brutal. It is absolutely brutal. And I think, you know, we say it. I, I know I say it all the time. It's like, Humanity across the board, we all have one thing in in common, is we're all supremacists of some sort. We all have to dominate something. So dominating the earth, dominating uh, every space, dominating anything we can. So, of course, dominating the ocean is (laughs) bound to happen, and it is happening. Uh, But, yeah, everybody should watch the documentary. It's really, really interesting. It is a hard watch. I won't even lie. Like, if you are like at all empathetic it is brutal brutal brutal. I was I was crying most of it um most of the way through it but it's very interesting so to your point uh yeah if if certain cryptids existed I am fairly positive that there would be there is there are industries devoted to these cryptids you know and and there were were shows devoted to like what was it finding Bigfoot or something whatever it was. Um, yeah, there have been a plenty handful of shows and yeah. everything like that. So it's it it is an industry in and of itself. So, but yeah, like right. And there's reports of Bigfoot or ape-like men since the mid 1800s. So that could have some plausible. Uh, accounts not and, and it looks like actually a bunch of Native American tribes actually recount uh, Bigfoot and like hairy men encounters since since the uh, mid 1800s. I believe that more than you know the the random footage today that tends to come out. Right, and uh, the, the thing about the random footage and how they are not able to actually capture one but they can capture things on videotape, but they can't actually capture the ape itself. No. Yeah, like 100% professional like trackers and everything. But anyways. This is why I'm more of a, a mothman lady, if you will. Right. And, and that, goes, <laughs> that goes to any of those cryptids. You Just know? Crypt- cryptozoology discourse. <laughs> right. But that goes to any of those cryptids. And I'm not understanding that they would need to hunt it for any other purpose, but like if you saw in the documentary, there's some... Crazy people out there, mm-hmm. you know. That rationalize really, uh, really wild things. Well, that's what the, that's the thing about those cryptids. Like, is it even though if they were to exist at all, right? The Bigfoot or the Mothman or the Chupacabras, stuff like that. 
Is it for the livelihood of the cryptid or is it for the livelihood of the person who is, needs to have the belief of the cryptid? I don't know. That's kind of tricky because, I mean, I, I know like up in like the Pacific Northwest and then like even in I think it's Virginia, like where uh, the Mothman, the original Mothman sighting happened. I know it's it's like I said, it's an industry in and of itself. So tourism and stuff is a big draw. Right. So it helps, you know, the local economies and whatnot. So, of course, you know, if 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 your town revolves around sight, quote unquote, sightings and it, it's profitable, you're going to play into that. Right. Like it, it kind of makes sense, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, but in terms of like belief, I don't know. I it. Right. It says right here about one third of all claims of Bigfoot sightings are located in the Pacific Northwest, with remaining reports spread throughout the rest of North America. Most reports are considered mistakes or hoaxes, even by those researchers who claim Bigfoot exists. Sightings predominantly occur in the Northwest region of Washington, Oregon, Northern California, and British Columbia. Other prominent areas of supposed sightings include the rural areas of Great Lakes region in the southeastern United States. According to data collected from the Bigfoot Field Researchers Organizations, BFRO, Bigfoot Sightings Database in 2019, Washington has over 2,000 reported sightings, California over 1,600, Pennsylvania over 1,300, New York and Oregon over 1,000, and Texas has just over 800. That's full travel. Yes, and now you have (laughs) so many sightings and yet no evidence like physical evidence well i think and you know going going back to my main man mothman i think that's where it kind of falls into like the more believability factor and i it's such a ludicrous idea but i again i love i love the lore of mothman but it's like it's one location you know what i mean like it's i mean there are some sightings elsewhere but it's like predominantly one location so you're kind of like okay so it's this this one area where you have a chance of seeing this like giant winged beast if if sasquatch or bigfoot is traveling across the northern states (laughs) like you know one minute he's in uh uh the pacific northwest and the next he's New York or, or whatever, but then again, that kind of brings into it's like is Bigfoot the species? You know, is it not just one person? It's a whole species. Was it you and I who were playing Red Dead Redemption, and you decided to kill Bigfoot? Oh yeah, in that video game, they they come across Bigfoot on there. Yeah, that was still <laughs> <laughs> like if anybody's played Red Dead or if you haven't played Red Dead Redemption, the first game, uh, you uh, are able to unlock a certain part of the game where you have the choice to either let a family of Bigfoots or Sasquatches, I can't remember what they're referred to in the game, either live or die. In that search through the Bigfoot, I came across a certain group located in the Midwest. The Sea Squatchers is the Midwest's first all-female team searching for Bigfoot. Their quest is to gather information, obtain credible evidence of Bigfoot, and ultimately establish contact and peaceful interaction. The Sea Squatchers are located primarily in Minnesota and North Dakota. The website is seasquatchers.com. It consists of three ladies. The team leader, Jen Cruz. She is a natural-born healer, psychic. This is coming off of their herd about on the website. They have members. Jen Cruz, the team leader. I am a natural-born healer, psychic, medium, and animal communicator. 
an enrolled tribal member of the Red Lake Band of Chippewa Indians in northern Minnesota. I grew up on a hobby farm in Minnesota and spent much of my free time walking in the woods, feeling so connected to nature. We grew, raised, gathered, and hunted nearly all the food we ate. This is where I began forming the belief that energy is a language and that all animals, plants, and spirits speak. While interviewing cryptozoologist Lauren Coleman for my weekly radio show, Lauren said he believes that a woman will be the first to have real interaction with Bigfoot. I volunteered right then and there during the interview. Lauren inspired us to form the Sea Squatchers team, and it's been an exciting adventure already. I've helped locate missing persons and pets in the past. Why not look for Bigfoot, too, using my senses to identify the best areas to find and connect with Bigfoot? From the beginning, I wondered, can we remote view the woods and identify where Bigfoot is before we ever go there? We've been exploring this idea, and with very promising results. Numerous reports from people who've had Bigfoot encounters lead me to suspect that it is possible the scripted might have strong psychic abilities, which could potentially provide us with a unique opportunity to communicate with Bigfoot. As a mixed-blood person, I especially enjoy hearing Native American stories and teachings about Bigfoot and little people. When not out searching for Bigfoot in the wild, I am assisting others on my new radio show, The Journey. We explore the paranormal, Bigfoot, UFOs, ghosts, portals, and more. I am searching for viable evidence of the unknown mysteries of the world. The second member is Jenna Grover. She states, I had what appeared to be a very normal Christian upbringing on a farm in northern Minnesota. I love animals and nature was and is one of my best friends. I've been intuitive, sensitive since my youth, but struggled to understand and trust the things I was sensing. I felt spirits were trying to get my attention and that they wanted me to share my experiences with others. I had an NDE, near-death experience, in 2009, and after I finally awoke from a coma, I felt completely changed by the experience. Life suddenly had new meaning. I wanted more than ever to investigate and expand my own abilities to trust my premonitions, and to surround myself with others that share my interests. I've always been interested in Bigfoot, cryptozoology, and the paranormal. All the reports of Bigfoot from all over the world. It's hard for me to imagine that he's not real, but I am a skeptic by nature. So I want that concrete proof. Becoming part of the She Squatchers team is like a dream come true. I am on a mission, searching to find irrefutable evidence that Bigfoot and other paranormal phenomenon exists. Life is a great adventure. Tammy Trichelle, as the newest addition to the Sea Squatchers team, Tammy is a huge asset. She's an extremely strong psychic animal communicator, medical intuitive, with clairaudient, clairsentient, and clairvoyant abilities. She can visually see energy fields around living beings, perceiving it as colored light. Add to that, this fearless, woozy Minnesota girl feels an immense connection to nature and thoroughly enjoys adventure. I was raised in a military family, growing up on army bases mostly on the east coast. As an adult, I worked at plant nurseries and became fascinated with nature and flora fauna of all kinds. I attended the University of Minnesota in Crookston, Minnesota, where I had majored in horticulture production. I had an unquenchable desire to learn, so I studied landscaping, grasses, perennials, annuals, trees, and even entomology. Since college, I have taken every opportunity to immerse myself in nature. I went camping with my parents growing up, but moving to Minnesota gave me the opportunity to camp like I never had before. 
My first primitive camping experience was in Voyagers National Park. We camped on a remote island that was only accessible by boat. There is no electricity, no running water, no bathrooms, only a vault toilet at the top of the hill with no walls or roof. It was the first time I ever used the bathroom in the rain. We fished for our meals, and I used my extensive knowledge of plants to find us edible berries, plants, and even fiddleheads, which are great sautéed in butter. Since then, I have camped on many islands in all weather, even snow. I have learned many survival skills, which I love to share with my fellow she-squatchers. My late husband was an incredible tracker and an excellent hunter. He taught me all about the local wildlife, their prints, scat, nesting habits, how they hunt and forage for food, and their habitats. All of these skills, along with my psychic abilities, make me a great asset to the sea squatchers. If you would like to give them support, they are... They are at www.shesquatchers.com. It doesn't go to state that they have a belief system as though they, they plan it out as though this you have to believe in Bigfoot in, in order for him to uh, show himself almost, you know. Um, That'd be interesting. Well, that's pretty much what it is, right? At the same time, because... They say that you have to believe in Bigfoot, and they recounted many different times they they believe in Bigfoot or believe in aliens or believe, you got to believe. Letting your belief system run its course to try and, and make sense of why the world is why it is in one fashion or another and whether you take Bigfoot or ghosts or, you know, mediums and people who can see chakras and stuff like that um this would be totally possible if everybody's everybody's brain is like wired differently you would think that there would be some people with these abilities that would be able to see these energy light forms around your body yeah right and those who would be able to connect with those who have passed on such as psychics no or mediums they're mediums I wonder how often, though, that is misconstrued as mental illness, too. Like, if you started, like, telling people you can hear hear voices, right? And then they can automatically connect that to, like, certain mental conditions, like schizophrenia. Well, yeah. I think, I think that's definitely something that has been around for as long as humanity. Uh, you know, I think, what what's that one theory? Oh, please, I'm going to sound so... So stupid here. But back, you know, when, when people started first acknowledging that sentient thinking was actually God. Like they thought it was actually like God. Their their personal thoughts were were God, a God. I know there is Well that can go all the way back too. Yeah. You know, because you have And even I mean, um, you know, because I I fall right on the line between believer and skeptic. Like, you know, I, I am the, <laughs> the uh, I want to believe, you know, aspect. Like, I would love nothing more than knowing, you know, these things exist. And I, I you know, like I said, I, I fall right there on the line. Like, I think in my heart of hearts I do. I do think, you know, these things exist. And I've had my reasons. I've I've had my experiences. I've had my personal 
situations that still to this day kind of floor me. And I know if I tell anybody else, it's going to go one of two ways. Either they're going to sit there and be like, oh, my gosh, you know, yeah, yeah, that's that's totally, you know, actual evidence to for that to have happened. Or it's going to be like, that's just 100 percent a coincidence. I'm like, yeah, but it could, you know, and so for me, you know, it, it makes me feel better to believe that it was something that was manifested beyond my existence. You know what I mean? Like, but that's like, it's there for a reason in my brain. <laughs> that makes sense. Right. It's almost like that documentary or the faux mockumentary. What would you call mockumentary? it? Mockumentary. It was on Animal Planet about the mermaids. And, and people were thinking this was an entirely true thing about mermaids. Mm-hmm. And then I watched it because I was like, okay, well, this would make more sense of why there are no mermaids. And actually, they do make a good point that if there are people of certain tribes and everything like that, that they're almost like merperson-like in the sense that they are on the ocean boundaries. And I think like the entire theory behind that was they were swimming and diving so often and everything like that, they, that they just kind of evolved into the, yeah. the, into the fish. Yeah. You know, and, and grew tails and everything like that. Um, but uh, there's no evidence of that either, you know. But this was all theorized on the, on the television show. And I think it's like the same thing as with uh, Bigfoot or Sasquatch, as though there could be humanoids that were at one time in the existence of of time of the transitional period but well that's why they call him the missing link you know because he's supposed to be like right there in the middle right (laughs) like he is an evolutionary although now there's new evidence now that there's something that was before Neanderthals which is the was it what they call him the dragon man no I haven't heard about that the dragon man the dragon man, or Homo longi, is an extinct species of archaic human, identified from a nearly complete skull and harbin on the northeast China plain, dating back to minimum 146,000 years ago, during the Middle Pleistocene. The skull was discovered in 1933 along an under-construction bridge of Manchuco National Railway, and finally brought to paleoanthropologists in 2018. These scholars considered modern humans to be more closely related to H. Longi than to the European Neanderthals, which may force a revision of the current scientific consensus. So technically, that guy is the missing link. Did you know that there is more evidence to suggest that Neanderthals weren't uh, slouched over. They actually had just as good posture as Homo sapiens. Basically, what what it looks like occurred <laughs> was upon looking at the remains of a single Neanderth- Neanderthal who likely had, I think it was like osteoporosis and several other like uh, degenerative diseases. And the the fella putting together that bout of research decided this is far more interesting to say that uh, Neanderthals were all slouched and did not stand uh, erect. 
like the rest of man. So I think that's kind of interesting. Like that's man. <laughs> man stands erect. Man, man stands, stands erect. Man stands erect all the time. Is that the name of this episode? <laughs> so I don't know. I, I think it's a fun conversation to have. I know there are people who are super, super passionate about it. I know even a while ago, I think it was, there was a point where you were like very fascinated with Sasquatch. Because um, I remember I got you Sasquatch socks, I believe. <laughs> well, I'm, uh, yeah, I'm fascinated with all the crypto. Yeah. The crypto animal? Cryptids. I don't think, yeah, cryptids. you can't really call them animals, call them cryptids. This whole time. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I'm fascinated with the cryptids, and I'd be even more fascinated if we could get our hands on one. Yeah. Well, safely and without, uh, right. you know, ruining it, you know. Right. That would be ideal, but except, unfortunately. Except for the little chupacabra. Here he has got a little problem with encounters. That's what <laughs> What's the Mothman's deal? What does he do? Mothman, he screams at you. That's it. <laughs> he chases you and, and screams. He's just like the flying spaghetti monster yeah. that wears sneakers and he runs around and says, How's it going, bro? Like, I don't think... I th- I watch uh, BuzzFeed Unsolved. I thoroughly enjoy the series and the episode they did on Mothman. Because they also did one on Bigfoot. I, did I make you watch that one? I don't know. But the one they did on Mothman, they actually talked to... Uh, someone who had, I don't remember if it was them or they were retelling a story that someone they knew had experienced where it's like the Mothman had actually come into their home and was trying to take a baby. (laughs) So I don't know. Mothman is, uh, I don't know. He could either be super aggressive or maybe he's just a fella. He's just a, he's just a fella. What did Mothman do with that baby? Nothing. Apparently, the person who discovered him trying to snatch the baby uh, gave him a good swacking and was able to save the baby. <laughs> That'd be funny. He gave Mothman a licking and then has no evidence. No, of really. Could you imagine like that? That can somebody can one of if if there's any one of you amazing writers who's listening to this, can somebody please write me the Mothman raising a child? story please that would be absolutely delightful i think we need to do that moth babies (laughs) moth babies uh just i think that would be quite fun but yeah no i i i love the conversations of any kind of paranormal cryptozoology all all of that i think it's really fun and it's really fun to just explore it and not only that but like just to just to question it and question the uh, establishment of these things, you know, and, and trying to discover, like, kind of where they came from. Because we know all it takes is looking back at history to know that people will try to profit off of anything that is other. You know, I mean, how many bodies have been snatched to be taken on tour by uh, freak shows and circuses? You know, how many people have been how many people have been exploited by the circus and freak shows etc etc by you know tv networks (laughs) you know look at all of the the what look at just the early 2000s you know the the tv shows the reality tv shows that were all across our screens 
Um, you know, so it's interesting. It's interesting. Humanity is very interesting in that regard and how desperate we are to want to believe in the other. And, you know, there's there's always going to be some kind of evidence that points to it that makes it withstanding over time, you know, and, and you know, going back to like mermaids and all of that, like the ocean is is pretty unexplored. So I am of that, that belief where it's like, there's nothing saying they don't exist. You know what I mean? Like, Nothing saying they don't exist. So I think I think it's quite fun. Absolutely. So you know how like like you lay in bed at night sometimes, I think everybody experiences this and you're just like you think about it all the time, something that you said or did, and you're like, Oh my god, that was so stupid. I have to correct myself twice. So a while back, speaking of Eli Roth, um, a while back for some reason, in the episode you we were talking about the Queen's Gambit. I had said that it was Anya Taylor-Joy who had been in Hemlock Grove, which I would swear by. Like, I would have put money on that because for some reason, I was like, that was Anya Taylor-Joy. It was not. So that was actually Freya Tingley. And um, I feel like an idiot. And I've thought about that since. And then also, I think in my review of Cruella, this one was a weird one. I caught it last night. I think I had made a comment about Emma Thompson being in the film Blow Dry, which I'm always talking about how much I love that movie because it's one of my favorites. I don't know what happened over time, but I like it, the what is it? The, the Mandela effect where it's like you would swear something is something and then it's like actually not at all mm-hmm. <laughs> for my brain. Like if I were picturing blow dry like scenes in that film i'm picturing emma thompson and i've seen that movie like hundreds of times you know it was not it was natasha richardson unfortunately i totally forgot too she died she died Uh in 2009 yeah it was really sad she had a epidermal hematoma or something really really awful but i genuinely like i was shooketh when I realized that I had made that boo-boo. Yeah. So I need to do better at fact-checking my celebrities because apparently there are some who my brain likes to get confused. Now it is rectified. <laughs> now I can now I can sleep better. Also, update, since we've started recording this um, and the CBD salve has been sitting on my arm... Uh, major improvement. All day I have been crying and nice. it feels much better. So um, if you have major aches and pains and you're like, oh, I don't know if I should try CBD salve, it is worth it. And um, no regrets because my arm feels so much better. Uh, so hopefully tomorrow I can actually draw. I don't know yet. At least maybe by the day after. Okay. going will be just fine. Yeah, I hope. This was torment. Um, I am not an idle person okay so you can find us at theworldofmyth.com on facebook and the twitter at the world of myth bits podcast and the world of myth magazine and on instagram at the world of myth bits thanks for listening until next time mm-hmm.